This whole situation is completely fucked. What's going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue and the Bronx podcast. Like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or your drops. If you're on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the other podcast platforms, please follow the podcast. What can I say? It seems like I say that every time we lose, especially lately. But what can you say? This team is a joke. Week after week after week. And both sides look awful. Some of the coaching decisions are awful. But let's give Joe Judge another year. Not everything that has happened this year is his fault. I will say that right now. But he has a hand in it like everybody else does. And you can say, oh, the injuries... Sometimes you have to play with the tools that you're given. And that goes for Joe Judge. That goes for Patrick Graham. That goes for Freddie Kitchens. But this team is a literal joke. They may be one of the worst franchises. Or I should say teams. I'm not going to say franchises in history. Because there are worse owners. Believe it or not. There are just really bad franchises over the last few years. And I'm not saying the Giants are not one of them, but you take a look at the Jaguars, you take a look at some of these other teams, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say, oh, it's not that bad, guys. No, it's pretty bad. But going back to my original statement, we are one of the worst teams in the league, probably bottom five. And sticking with the same process, because you don't want to fire a head coach every two years, is a foolish statement. And we'll get into Joe Judge a little later on because that's probably going to be one of the bigger topics of today's podcast episode. I'll present both sides of the argument. If you guys have any arguments to put in on either side, please feel free to comment, all that other stuff. That way I could get your guys' side on this and how you guys feel. But going back to stats, let's go to stats, we'll go to offense, defense, and then we'll close out with Joe Judge's. Uh, argument for staying or going. So for passing, Mike Lennon, 17 for 36, 191 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Riley Dixon, 0 for 1. That was, that was terrible. Justin Herbert, 23 for 31, 275 yards, three touchdowns, and two sacks, two sacks for Lennon as well. Take a look at the Giants' rushing game. This is probably one of the only rushing games of the season where the Giants got over 100 yards. The Raiders game, I believe, is one of them. I think the Panthers game was over 100, but with that being said, Saquon Barkley was not a part of it. He was a part of this one. 16 rushes for 64 yards. Devontae Booker, 8 rushes for 56 yards. Eli Penny had one rush for eight yards, and Mike Lennon had a seven-yard rushing touchdown. In the Los Angeles rushing game, Austin Eckler, 12 carries, 67 yards, one touchdown. Justin Jackson, nine carries, 35 yards. Josh Kelly, 10 rushes, 33 yards. Justin Herbert, four rushes, 19 yards. And Chase Daniel had a 
uh, two negative two yard rushes, I think, or it was, no, it was two negative one yard rushes, but it doesn't matter. In terms of the receiving game, can't be surprised at this one. Kyle Rudolph, two receptions, 66 yards. That long 60-yard reception was actually the longest of his career, so shout-outs to him, but we have other targets, and we can't get them the ball. We'll talk about that in terms of offense in a little bit. Saquon Barkley, three receptions, 31 yards, and a touchdown. Devontae Booker, four catches for 28 yards. Sterling Shepard, two catches for 27 yards. Kenny Galladay, two receptions, 15 yards. Evan Ingram only had one reception for eight yards. John Ross, one reception for seven yards. Farrah Cooper had one reception for six yards. Eli Penny had one reception for three yards. Take a look at the top receivers in the receiving game for the Los Angeles Chargers. Jalen Guyton had that big 59-yard touchdown, three receptions, 87 yards, and a touchdown. Josh Palmer also had a touchdown as well. I think that was against Jaron Williams in the slot. Five receptions, 66 yards, one touchdown. Mike Williams had six receptions for 61 yards. Austin Eckler had two catches for 17 yards. Donald Parham had two receptions for 13 yards. Also, Jared Cook caught a touchdown when he was being covered by Reggie Ragland. That is something I'll get to with the defense. So now we turn to some other stats as well. We'll talk about defense, and we'll also talk about some just team stats overall. For the Giants' defense, Dexter Lawrence had a pretty good game. That I can say, one sack, three quarterback hits, and a tackle for a loss. Cesar Gelari also did some things. One sack, two quarterback hits, one tackle for a loss. Lorenzo Carter had one quarterback hit. Julian Love had a tackle for a loss. And Bernardrick McKinney had a tackle for a loss. You take a look at the Chargers defense. Joey Bosa had a sack, a forced fumble, and four quarterback hits, so he had a day. Justin Jones had one sack, a tackle for a loss, and a quarterback hit. Jerry Tillery and Cayman Hall both had one quarterback hit each. Take a look at the team stats. Giants had 20 first downs. The Chargers had 26. Giants had eight passing first downs. Chargers had 15. Giants and Chargers both had 10 rushing first downs. Giants had two first downs from penalties. Chargers had one first down from penalties. Giants were 7 for 14 on third down. They were 0 for 2 on fourth down. No fourth down conversions for the Chargers. But the Giants were, uh, excuse me, the Chargers were seven for thirteen on third down. Giants ran sixty-five total plays. The Chargers ran seventy. Giants had three hundred and sixteen total yards. The Chargers had four hundred and twenty-three. Giants had more drives by one. They had twelve drives. The Chargers had eleven. In yards per play, four point nine yards per play for the Giants. Six yards per play for the Chargers. In terms of the red zone, the Giants were 3-for-3. Three three. Yeah, let's go. The Giants are scoring points. No, they're not scoring points. Two of those touchdowns were garbage time, by the way. The Chargers are 3-for-6 in the red zone. In terms of penalties, Giants had 3-for-20 yards. The Chargers had 6-for-39 yards. Giants had two turnovers. An interception to Nick Neiman, thrown by Mike Lennon, and he also fumbled the football once as well. In terms of time of possession, Giants had 25 Minutes and 40 seconds, and the Chargers had three, 34 minutes for 20, uh, 34 minutes and 20 seconds for time of possession. Sorry with the mumbling and jumbling there. <sighs> Not good. Not good at all. And there's a possibility next year that we may not have baseball, or it's going to be 
a shortened season because the MLBPA and the MLB, they're going to be in talks for a while because they can't agree on anything. And what does that have to do with the Giants? Well, if they suck and I say, well, I guess that I'm ready for the year to be over. I'm weighing my options with that because I'm not really a hockey fan. Basketball, I'm trying to get into. But baseball has been my number one. And that may not even happen next year. And plus, the best team in New York is probably the soccer team that just won the championship at Yankee Stadium. Followed by the New York Rangers and a couple other teams. But football and baseball are non-existent in terms of being relevant and you could say the Yankees but they have higher standards than everybody else and they really aren't there because they're ignorant just like the New York Giants I'm going to stop talking about that let's do some offensive takeaways Mike Glennon looked terrible again Saquon Barkley and Devontae Booker flourished in the running game Sterling Shepard not the leading receiver he was not the security blanket Giants run to pass ratio was 26 to 17. Giants ran when they should have passed and then passed when they should have ran at times. Galladay had two receptions, eight targets, and Shepard had two receptions, four targets. Ben Bredesen and Matt Parrott rotated in. Ben Bredesen also got hurt, so that sucks. I don't know what the injury is. Leonard Williams also got hurt on the defensive side of the ball. And just one note. I was one of the main people coming out and saying, well, Jason Garrett should be fired. Well, because we thought his scheme was so bad, it really hid player execution. And player execution is the poorest, if not one of the poorest in football. Excuse me. I don't know why I'm rumbling and jumbling. But it's frustrating. Week after week after week, and we don't know when Jones is coming back. He's going to get a scan and all this other crap. And <sighs> might as well maybe sit Jones because with the way this team's playing, I don't know that we can win another game. Maybe they purposely put him in for Washington in week 18 just to try to spoil them from the playoffs or something like that. But. It is what it is. Let's talk about the offense. Uh, Mike Lynn looked terrible. <sighs> you know, it's not just, oh, the interceptions and stuff like that. It's throwing behind receivers constantly. I've never in my entire life, in my entire football fandom, have seen a worse quarterback play for my team than Mike Lennon. You could argue about Daniel Jones and past his prime Eli Manning. They never threw behind their receivers as much as Mike Lennon did. And sure, there were some drops by Slayton and a couple other guys as well. But my God, how are you throwing so off target? And it's not even, oh, the deep ball. Because yes, he did throw, or I should say he underthrew Kenny Galladay on a deep ball. He, I think, underthrew Slayton on a back shoulder Maybe that was last week. I'm just not mentally prepared if Mike Lennon goes against the Cowboys next week. I'm prepared, but I'm not mentally prepared. But Mike Lennon, goddamn, he sucks. He sucks. And you know what? I would not say as much as 
I am saying right now, if two things happened, if the Giants won, obviously, and if they stuck to the run more, because guess what? They had nine passing attempts in the first half. And you can attribute that a lot to the defense because they gave up 24 points. I don't know if they got another touchdown, but it was, I think it was 24-7 at the half. And yes, you can attribute that to the Jalen Gutton touchdown and a lot of these other things, right? But the Chargers have the 31st best rushing defense. And if you're looking to get Saquon and Devontae Booker the ball, how do you not even it out or give more plays to your running backs? And with that being said, you have a backup quarterback as your quarterback. Teams are not going to respect that game plan. And the Giants are so predictable at times when they pass the ball, when they run the ball, because they'll put their dummy personnel in when they try to run the football. Chris Myrick, Kyle Rudolph, and I understand that's some standard procedure because blocking tight ends, whatever. But you'll put Farrell Cooper in, you'll put Corey Cunningham in, you'll put Colin Johnson in, even though he was inactive yesterday. And then third and two on the first drive, empty set. I am a big proponent of passing the ball in this league because it is a passing league. It's not a running league. Running league was 30 years ago. People need to get in the times. But if the running game is actually working for you and you have a backup quarterback, why not use it? That's why I'm so pissed. Freddie Kitchens, Joe Judge, whoever is to blame. It's not like the offensive line in that case was not blowing holes. They were blowing holes. They didn't hold up in pass protection, but they were blowing holes for Saquon Barkley, for Elijah Penny, for Devontae Booker. And you chose not to stick with that. I don't understand that. And we came into this week as Giant fans mocking Joe Judge because New England won their game passing the ball three times. And it's not like they had Geno Smith or Nathan Peterman as their quarterback. They had Mac Jones as their quarterback right now who looks like the best quarterback in the class and they ran it how many times compared to how many times they passed it they passed it three times and that was yeah due to some bad weather in buffalo but hell they stuck to it it kept working the bills couldn't stop them so that's where i get mad at both because this bend but don't break bullshit is frustrating on both sides because you look at the defense they play the bend but don't break mentality and I know this is not all on Patrick Graham there's a lot of personnel that shouldn't be in there and other stuff but it takes up so much time of time possession and that's what Joe Judge harps on he harps on field position time of possession in the defense and all that stuff those three things went to shit yesterday I should say on Sunday, though, I'm recording this on a Monday. All those things went to shit. So what do you have to fall back on? You don't have a backup plan. That's right. And it's frustrating on the offensive side of the ball when you could also say, well, it's frustrating on the defensive side of the ball for this reason as well. This offense isn't scoring points. But at the same time, it was the, what, the first two, three, four drives yesterday? They had three scores? 
That all you cannot blame on the offense. And I've been attacking this offense all season. I've been attacking the defense first part of the season, but both need to be held accountable. This is a game plan that's not going to work in the future. I don't care if you get an offensive line, if you get a good corner two, if Adoree Jackson's not in there, if he is in there, if you get a good edge rusher, this game plan is not going to work. And there are things you can evaluate with Joe Judge's decision-making when he has crappy personnel like he does right now. Timeout usage, game plan, aggressiveness, whatever the situation may be. This mentality of the bend but don't break, the field position game, and just relying on the defense, that's a conservative mindset that is barely used in today's NFL. And if you are conservative in today's NFL, then you really don't have a chance to succeed. You don't. Gonna outright say it right there. And my question is, why did you not get Sterling Shepard in the game yesterday more? He had two receptions, four targets. He's a security blanket. Take advantage of Asante Samuel being out. Besides Michael Davis and Chris Harris, their corners aren't the greatest in the NFL. They don't have a plethora of great corners like Deion Sanders. You know, that's not their depth chart. They have two good corners outside of Asante Samuel and then the rest, depth players. So if you were going to stick to Mike Lennon, why not give a security blanket like Sterling Shepard? I don't understand that. So that's really what irritates me. Obviously, I mentioned that first drive, right? Fourth and two. Let me mention another thing. It was in the final two minutes, I want to say. Specifically, yes, within the final two minutes. So the Giants only had to waste one timeout because the Chargers were pinned inside their own territory. That was, I believe, a Riley Dixon punt. So good job, Riley Dixon, there. That's what I will say right there. That's the only compliment I'm giving Riley Dixon. But pins them inside the five-yard line. Keon Crossan gets it down. Chargers go three and out. The Giants only have to waste one timeout because it was a short pass to, I believe, Austin Eckler or one of the other receivers. Chargers punt. Giants get the ball at the Los Angeles 41-yard line. And they pass all of those times. And it's not like they don't have timeouts at all. They have two timeouts. So you can run the football. You can do a couple of things middle of the field. But no. All of them were passes, Mike Lennon being inaccurate, incomplete. They used their advantage to be their disadvantage. And then what do they do? They punted. Now, you would expect any punter in the NFL from the Chargers 43-yard line, because they lost two yards on that drive, you would expect any punter to at least pin down inside the 20, inside the 10. Nope. Field position game, that's what matters to Joe Judge. Let's go, baby. Riley Dixon punts it to the 25-yard line. An 18-yard punt. An 18-yard punt. Guess what happens the next drive? What happens the next drive, Alex? Justin Herbert, rolling, rolling. Fires it deep, hit as he throws. Wide open. Jalen Guyton, middle of the field. 
touchdown. Logan Ryan trailing behind because he's washed. It's it's amazing. It's amazing how some people can manage to defend Joe Judge. Um, people can manage to defend this philosophy. How they manage to defend some players in this team. It's just frustrating. It's like, where is your head at? What kind of excuses are you making? I'm tired of just depending on other things. Yes, we can 100% blame John Mara for a lot of things. That's going to be in the Joe Judge conversation coming up in a little bit. That's definitely going to be there. But with that being said, sometimes you have to grow a pair of balls. Sometimes you have to stand up to your own and say, this is the way I'm doing things. I need these guys to come in and play for me. Sometimes you need to grow a set of balls and just say, I need to do the things that I do the way I want to do them. Take your hands off the cookie jar. And you know what? If my stuff and my game plan doesn't work out, you can go ahead and fire me. But I'm sick and tired of these people coming out here. Oh, Jason Garrett prevent, you know, he was not the coordinator that Joe Judge wanted. You know what? Joe Judge, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it in a little bit because I'm not trying to spoil every single thing that I have for the Joe Judge conversation where we actually go into it and break down one side of the argument to a fair standpoint. We break down the other side of the argument to a fair standpoint. That's going to be what it is. But some other things, I mean, Nate Solder's still out there. They, they rotated Paradin and Bredesen as well. But Nate Solder barely touched Joey Bosa on that strip sack. What can you say, you know, I don't I don't even know anymore. And I try not to get rattled about this every single week, even though I get rattled about it every single week. And you know what's funny? Giants Twitter, you got to love it. And I give you the fan perspective as well and what a fan sees on social media and all this other stuff. That's what Big Blue in the Bronx is about besides providing good opinions and straight cold hard facts. But... Matt Parrott had one bad rep in the running game yesterday. One specific one. I'm not saying he didn't, you know, mess up any other point in the game. But with that being said, he had one specific bad run rep. Giants Twitter is killing the shit out of him. A, it's one rep. B, this man has barely played right tackle all season because his head coach honestly believes that Nate Solder is better. Meanwhile, Matt Perry was playing left tackle when Andrew Thomas was out. So spare me the theatrics. Spare me the bullshit. You can say Matt Perry is bad, may not be on the team next year, but this is a third-round pick that you put your heart and soul into. Say that you don't have the dog in him, and he doesn't have the dog in him, and, but Nate Solder, excuse me, but Nate Solder does, right? But Nate Solder has the dog in him. Doesn't make any sense. I think I'm done with the offense, but also let's talk about that fake pun, right? The aggressiveness in just some moments, I mean, they were down 30-7 to or 37-7. to when they did the fake punt. And Riley Dixon completely missed Keon Crossan. And here's why I have issue with that. Because they're so aggressive on special teams. Like last year against the Browns. They were aggressive on special teams. With the punter throwing it into the end zone to Nick Gates. And it was incomplete. Joe Judge should really dig into his rule book. 
he should really dig into any smarts that he has because a in that situation and they were on their own territory the Giants were on their own territory when they did the fake punt so there's some stupidity there and I'll add some more stupidity for instance if you wanted to draw a holding penalty and there was no holding penalty there wasn't pass interference Riley Dixon made a really bad throw but one thing about fake punts there is no such thing as a pass interference or holding penalty on a fake punt. So even if, let's just say, the corner is Tavon Campbell, right? Let's just say he's on special teams, not Tavon. Tavon Campbell? Yeah, Tavon Campbell. Let's just say he's across from Keon Cross on special teams, and he holds the shit out of him or interferes with Keon Cross and catching the pass. There's no pass interference penalty because that's the way fake punts work. There are no PI penalties. So... You might as well there just go for fourth down. And you're asking, well, does that even make any sense? Just the whole situation, the whole game? The whole game doesn't make sense because you go for it, fake punt on, I think it was fourth and seven. But when you start the game, fourth and two, you don't go for it. And you're on Chargers territory. You got past midfield. You're on Chargers territory. Fourth and two. If you run it, if you just simply run it, it's a first down. And you keep going down the field. That's where they could have gotten seven. I think that was the first drive of the game. So they could have gotten on the board with a 7 nothing lead. Felt good about themselves temporarily. But that just doesn't make any sense. Oh, 37-7. So we're going to be aggressive now. But, you know, when it was 0-0... In the first quarter, on our first drive, fourth and two, we're not going to go for it. We're going to rely on our terrible punter, Riley Dixon. And it doesn't make any sense because, well, Joe Judge likes the field position game. The defense. He likes relying on the defense. And, oh, we can't score touchdowns every single drive, right? Well, if you had a good punter, that excuse would at least be 25 to 50% credible. But that's all I'm going to say on the offense. In terms of the defense, the misusage of personnel in certain situations, Dexter Lawrence and Reggie Ragland. James Bradbury played slow and sloppily, in my opinion. This defense can't beat 10 top QBs. This defense can't beat top 10 QBs. Logan Ryan is washed. Leonard Williams left early. Edroom is bad, but Ben, but don't break mentality. Sucks up time and possession. So what do I mean when I say misusage of personnel in certain situations? I'll make half an excuse for Patrick Graham in a certain situation because Aaron Robinson, he played a decent game. He didn't play terrific. He didn't play horrible, but he played a decent football game against the Chargers on Sunday. And they're sitting here and playing him in zone. Now, obviously, you have to play zone because you don't have an edge room that's capable of getting to the passer. Now, Aziz Ojalari got a sack, great. Dexter Lawrence got a sack, great, but I believe both were in garbage time, basically. I don't think Aziz's was, but Dexter Lawrence's was definitely in garbage time. But with that being said, you don't have a defensive line or an edge room that's able uh, that's capable of getting to the passer. So I get that argument. But Aaron Robinson is a physical cornerback. Look at the way you played him against the Eagles. They didn't sit here and play him in zone. And I'm looking at the eye test. I didn't go back and watch film. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you 
film gurus can tell me, well, they played Aaron Robinson in a lot of man against the Eagles. From what I was looking at, they were playing him, or I should say, uh, going back to what I just said, oh, they were playing in a lot of zone against the Eagles. Well, it looked to me that they were playing him in a lot of man coverage situations. That fourth and two where he had the pass breakup on Jalen Rager, I believe. Some of the shots to the end zone, that's man coverage. And he played well. That was probably his best game of the season. But no, let's sit here uh, against Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert. We're going to sit here and play zone. Which, once again, half understandable. But James Bradbury, he can play man too. Aaron Robinson is, is, is precisely known as a man coverage cornerback. So I don't understand. Why are we playing soft in that situation? Once again, that can be a half-and-half half argument. Reggie Ragland, someone pointed this out. I definitely agree with it. It was towards the end of the game. It was the last touchdown of the game, I believe. Why is Reggie Ragland covering Jared Cook? Why? Because of the body situation? Reggie Ragland should barely be on the field. They should be giving more snaps to Menardrick McKinney. McKinney makes a couple of good hits a game. He makes some nice tackles. Tay Crowder, he's a stick. He should be the linebacker, too. And sometimes he shouldn't even be on the field. Reggie Ragland, in run situations, yes. But he doesn't have the sideline-to-sideline mobility because he looks like an orange dream bar. He looks like one of them, those ice pops, those big, fat ice pops. The orange cream bars. He's chunky. Why would you put him in coverage against Jared Cook? Jared Cook can still move at his age. Reggie Ragland can barely move at his age other than in the run game. So I don't understand why Bernardrick McKinney isn't there in that situation. Why aren't some of these other guys there in that situation? Why isn't Xavier McKinney there in that situation? Why isn't Julian Love at least there in that situation? But you're going to give it to Reggie Ragland. Why? Because he was a former Crimson Tide? He was former Alabama linebacker? Why, is Nick Saban telling you to play him so he looks better? I don't understand. And at this point, it's it's for evaluation. Reggie Ragland's not coming back next year. Bernardrick McKinney may come back next year. Tay Crowder will probably be here next year. So evaluate those guys and not guys on one-year deals like Danny Shelton. Like Nate Solder. But this is the thing that falls on Joe Judge. You could talk about personnel. You could talk about injuries. You could talk about both sides of the ball and some of the discrepancies of Patrick Graham and Freddie Kitchens. You could talk about Dave Gettleman. But this is the stuff that Joe Judge has to recognize and has to think long-term about. He probably knows he's coming back next year. He probably knows he's coming back next year. So he should say in his head, well, Reggie Ragland is probably not going to be here next year. Bernardrick McKinney looks good, so maybe put him in coverage against Jared Cook. Maybe put uh, Tate Crowder or Xavier McKinney or Julian Love in coverage against Jared Cook. But he plays out those one-year wonders. Those one-year contracts. They're not even one-year wonders because they're so fucking garbage. You're playing out Nate Solder for what? You're playing out Danny Shelton for what? And people make the argument, and I agree with this argument, in the case, oh, well, the Giants traded B.J. Hill, a capable defensive lineman, for a bum named Billy Price. That is very true. I I don't disagree with that. I think that was a terrible move. Because now he ends up starting and he's garbage. He's garbage. Billy Price is garbage. We all know this. But the thing is, how do you know that B.J. Hill would have been starting? 
he would not be starting over Danny Shelton. Let's be let's be real for a second, people. Danny Shelton would be playing double the snaps that BJ Hill does. So that's where you kick Judge in the ass and say, hey, why is this guy not playing? He's clearly better than your guy. That's the shit he needs to recognize. And I'm not trying to make too much of a tangent about it, but I'm making a case as for the conversation we're going to have in a little bit about Joe Judge, the devil's advocacy, the fiery fan, both sides of the argument, and what I think should happen. James Bradbury, he's regressed this year, especially within the last two games. Obviously, I think it was that one crossing route to Mike Williams or Josh Palmer. I think it was Mike Williams. That one crossing route, and he goes just straight down the field. James Bradbury's lagging behind, and I'm not expecting him to be right beside him trying to make a tackle because obviously some guys are speedier than others but Mike Williams is not known as a speedy wide receiver at least in my opinion so why is James Bradbury lagging two feet behind that was at least what a 20-30 yard pass play he's he's probably gonna get cut next year if the Giants want to save some money he's probably gonna get cut next year you know what at this point I don't even care I don't even care because Aaron Robinson is looking like a somewhat capable cornerback too. Maybe sign some low-risk, high-reward free agent. I don't know. Something that just works to fill that position for right now or in the future because I don't want to run into this corner two bullshit again. Like we've had the last couple of years, Eli Apple and B.W. Webb and uh, DeAndre Baker and Ryan Lewis and Isaac Yadam. I don't want to run in that situation again. I don't want to run into that situation again, please. Uh, Logan Ryan is washed. People don't believe me when I say this, but the Giants are going to have to draft the safety in the next two years. Whether Logan Ryan's gone next year or the year after, they're going to have to draft the safety. Because Julian Love, he's a nice player. He's a nice special teamer. But he is not a starting safety, in my opinion. Xavier McKinney is, and he had a decent game yesterday. He had some good plays. He had some bad plays. But Julian Love is not a starting safety for the Giants. I don't think he should be. So draft somebody next year in the later rounds. Draft somebody the year after in the later rounds. Maybe they come out and actually play good for you. Maybe sign someone in free agency. Do something there because Logan Ryan is not cutting it. He's this team's Brett Gardner. I'm sorry. He's this team's Brett Gardner. Sometimes he'll make a couple of good plays, but most of all, he just acts like a leader, tries to be a leader, and he doesn't come through with his promises. Wants to make jokes about two attack of Iloa throwing two yard passes. Meanwhile, you're giving up 59 yard touchdowns left and right. Doesn't make sense at all. Leonard Williams left early. He had an elbow injury. It sucks. I mean, he's not worth the money, but he's had a streak of 120 something games started in his career. He's played every game that he's capable of playing in, so it's going to hurt his streak possibly this week if he's injured. We'll see what happens. But. Um, it just sucks. It just sucks. I think that definitely took some air out of the defense um, in the first quarter, in the second quarter, whenever he went out. And one more thing I'll say before we go to Joe Judge conversation. This defense, this mentality, and people are saying, oh, well, Patrick Graham will be aggressive when we get a better edge room and we get better linebackers. Well... We had Blake Martinez the first two weeks, two and a half if you want to say that, because in week three he tore his ACL. And I understand a lot of the argument, blitz rate, 
The first week was incredibly high, but they could not get home against a middle-of-the-pack Denver Broncos offensive line. They couldn't get home against a middle-of-the-pack Washington football team offensive line. Hell, they could barely get home against one of the worst offensive lines in the league for the Atlanta Falcons. They couldn't get home. And that's not all on the coaching. That's on the players. That's on the personnel that's coming in. But with that being said, first part of the season, you definitely blame Patrick Graham. But playing these types of games against these types of quarterbacks is really a lose-lose situation. Because you have the offense, who's not scoring points for shit, but at the same time, even if they were, the defense is playing a bend-but-don't-break mentality, which means it's sucking up time and possession, and points and points and points are being scored left and right. That's why I blame him for the defensive performance. Obviously, that happened on Sunday. The Bucks game, that's definitely a case to be made, and going back to the first part of the season. That's all I have to say about that. So let me say this. Let me say this. Um... Before I get into the Joe Judge thing, I just found out as I was recording this that Leonard Williams may be out for the season. So, um, with that being said, Leonard Williams, I hope you get better with the elbow injury, come back better, man, next year. And we'll see if we actually have a better team or a worse team. So, that just pours more fuel on the fire, the injury train of the New York Giants. That's all I gotta say. With that being said, let's talk about Joe Judge. Let's talk about Joe Judge. So, there's two sides of the argument here. One side says keep him. One side says fire him and get rid of the coaching staff and do a rebuild or get an established coach like Jim Harbaugh. So, let's talk about the two sides of the conversation in depth and the arguments. Devil's advocacy. That's what I call the first side of the argument and the argument that Joe Judge should be back next year. Joe Judge was forced to win in two years. I definitely do agree that's not on him. Because what the Giants should have done, respectfully, is they should have fired Dave Gettleman after 2019. Same with Pat Shermer. Hired a GM. Hired a new head coach, Joe Judge, if that is the case. You know, if he was going to be hired at that point in the game. And what did they do wrong? What does my quote mean? Because Joe Judge, whether you agree that he's not the future or whether you agree he is the future or he's a Belichick disciple, blah, 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 blah. Whatever argument you want to pose, you still have to admit that he was not put in the most fair of situations because he was forced to win in two years. That's something I could definitely get on the board with. Because what the Giants should have done, obviously besides firing the GM and Pat Shermer in 2019, is they should have started over in a way. And just compiling draft picks, compiling draft picks, compiling draft picks, drafting a foundation. And then when they have the money, when they feel that Joe Judge is ready to start winning games, and when the players are actually buying into what he's saying, then you could go out in free agency and spend money on players that are going to finish up your product. But the problem is, is that that's not how it worked. That's not how it worked with the Giants. Giants spent a lot of money in the free agent classes of 2020 and 2021. Contracts are going to be rolled back to like 2020 friggin' 7 or something like that. It's not going to be, it's not that 
they're going to roll back to 2027. But with that being said, they're going to roll back a long time. It's kicking the can down the road, especially with the restructuring this year and last year of contracts. It's a little bit of a mess right now. And the Giants won't have cap money next year. They can save $42 million by cutting a lot of players, but you're opening, you're opening a lot of holes by doing that. And it's not a good position for Joe Judge because, well, this year was supposed to be winning, and a lot of fans, including myself, thought, well, we're going to go to the playoffs next year. We're going to win the division. Well, obviously that wasn't the case because whether you say that he is the head coach of the future. He's not the head coach of the future. With that being said, he was not ready to win in year two. They should have given him, him more time. They should have given the players more time. They should have started over and started compiling draft picks and then go ahead and started winning when they felt that he was ready as a head coach. He has not gotten the chance to get most of his players in. This one's a half-sided argument for me as well. Because people say, oh, well, you know, he's dealing with a lot of Dave Gettleman players, blah, blah, blah. Well, Dave Gettleman and him worked together the past two years. So that argument is not good on one side. But on the other side, when you have to deal with players like O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter and let's see what other players are terrible. Nate Solder, that's obviously going in the other side as well of the argument, which we'll talk about in the fiery fan side. But with that being said, you're given these types of players. And even last year, let's go back to last year for a couple of seconds. O'Shane Zimenez was not good in the games that he played. Lorenzo Carter was meh. A lot of people thought he was going to have this big year. Obviously, it didn't happen this year. A year later after his injury. And they relied on this edge room this year. But once again, going back to last year, some of the other players that they had to stick around with, DeAndre Baker until he had that incident in Florida, which he was falsely excused of, and uh, all the other stuff and the bullshit that happened there, that's not something I'm going to talk about because I originally talked about it when it came out. Um, some other players, I don't know. There's just a lot of bad players that Dave Gettleman has brought in and that were supposed to be the foundation, but nowhere near foundational because they're all backups, and they would be backups on other teams, like O'Shane Simmons, like Lorenzo Carter. So that's where I can say, well, Joe Judge has not gotten a fair shot because it's only been year two, and his personnel really hasn't been instituted. It's all of Dave Gettleman's personnel trying to fit other schemes because we've been firing coaches year after year after year after year. Battle line, bad edge, bad wide receiver until this year, bad linebacker room. The battle line, that's something you can definitely blame Joe Judge a little bit for, but Dave Gettleman has to take a lot of the blame for that. Bad edge room, that's definitely Dave Gettleman. Bad wide receiver room, that's definitely Dave Gettleman. Bad linebacker room, that's something you blame on injuries, but mostly on Dave Gettleman. Also, obviously, Joe Judge has a hand in some of the free agents. Danny Shelton, he had to have freaking hand in that one uh he had to have a hand in starting Nate Solder we'll talk about that he had to have a hand in signing Nate Ebner so some of these free agents that they're signing obviously has a hand in but with that being said Dave Gettleman over the past four years has not got has not done a good job of restructuring this offensive line restructuring the edge room getting Daniel Jones weapons so on and so forth and let's talk about the one thing that a lot of people harp on in terms of keeping Joe Judge and wanting to evaluate Joe Judge on a long-term standpoint because he did not get to pick his own offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett. Now, we all know that Jason Garrett was a former Giant back in his day. He was also a former Cowboy, but he was a former Giant, and 
that's where a lot of speculation comes in that, well, John Mara likes Jason Garrett. He was interviewed for the head coaching job. So likely they forced him on Joe Judge, which is something that I agree with. But obviously when we go to the fiery fan side, we'll talk about a lot of things like that. But that you can definitely say it's not the greatest thing in the world. It's not the greatest start in the world because even if, if you want to stretch it this far, 2020, after 2020, he would only get a new play caller, Daniel Jones, if Joe Judge fired Jason Garrett. You would see what Freddie Kitchens looks like, and maybe if Freddie Kitchens wanted to do a couple of different things, you would have signed different personnel. But with that being said, you would only get a a different play caller, you probably would not have gotten a new offensive scheme because three schemes in three years is crazy. That's what Baker Mayfield is going through right now in Cleveland. Really, three schemes in four years, but he's also not a good quarterback, in my personal opinion. So let's go to the fiery fan side. I want to fire Joe Judge. I want to fire Dave Gentleman. Let's talk about that, right? Fourth time blown out in 2021. Definitely talk about this. Definitely. Giants barely got blown out in 2020. They got blown out by the 49ers. A non-competitive game with the Cardinals, with the Ravens, with the Browns. You could make some excuses for those games, but they really should have won the 49er game because Nick Mullins was the starter, Jimmy G wasn't in, and a bunch of other things happened as well that did not pan out to the 49ers' favor. Giants got crushed 36-9. So, yes, you can blame coaching on that, but that was realistically the only blowout. But also, they were not competitive in three of the four games down the stretch, if I'm getting that correctly, yes. But, you take a look at this year. With better personnel, how are you blowing out four different times? Week five, you have your starting corners on the field. You have your starting defense on the field. At this point, whether it's bad edge room, Bad linebackers, whatever the case may be, you have to work with what you have and you have to find holes and gaps to put those players in so that way it's not blowing up on the field. But the Giants did not do a good job of that in weeks five and six, especially with the Rams game as well. But that also gets a lot of shade on the training staff. That gets a lot of blame on several different things. But let's talk about week five. Obviously, Daniel Jones went out with a concussion. Mike Lennon was in for a little while through two picks and a touchdown. But the defense didn't do a good job either. Dak was throwing all over the field. Zeke was rushing all over the field. It was a shit show once Daniel Jones came out of the game. But at the same time, on the other side of the argument, you have to say to yourself, well, no matter who's in a quarterback, if it's Joe Blow, Joe Schmo, Mike Lennon, Nathan Peterman, your team has to get together and win the game. If... DJ LeMahieu leaves the game early. If Aaron Judge leaves the game early, the Yankees should still try to win the game. If Zach Wilson in five years, let's just say that, I'm not going to bet on anything, but let's just say he's like the great leader of the team, right? He's part of that locker room. He's a captain, and he leaves the game early due to injury. Do you think that Robert Sauer, the coach at that time, is expecting the team, hey, guys, you don't need to play anymore. I understand you guys are all sad about Zach Wilson leaving the game early. No, you need to be competitive. You need to be competitive in that aspect. You have to be competitive no matter who the hell's playing on the field. And Joe Judge had this team competitive with Colt McCoy at quarterback last year because of the running game, because of the defense. But I don't understand 
when you have a backup quarterback who's supposed to have more arm strength than Colt McCoy, and when you have a defense that's better talented than the prior year, I don't understand how you get blown out there. But let's talk about week six. Week six, there's a lot to blame on the defense, but there's also a lot to blame on the offense. Because the offense, with Daniel Jones not fully healthy from the concussion, however you want to see it, he didn't have a good game. He threw multiple picks, turned the ball over multiple times, and you know what the Rams did? The Rams capitalized. The Rams capitalized and went in, scored how many touchdowns they needed to win the game. The final score was 38-11. They needed to win the game. They won the game. They took advantage of the Giants' stupid mistakes. So whether you blame that on Jones, training staff, whatever, Giants got blown out the game. Due to the defense in cases, but also the offense. Because they kept turning over the football. They kept turning over the football. There's a lot of blame to go around. A lot of blame to go around. And if you want to blame the medical staff on Joe Judge, please. I am all for it. If you want to blame it on John Mara or Dave Gettleman, please. Blame uh, Ronnie Barnes and all those other guys, those training staff guys. Blame their hirings, or I should say blame their misfortunes and blame their errors on Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman, whoever you want. Because that needs to be fixed. And I don't think all of that's going to get fixed until we get a new stadium because the turf is shit. But with that being said, that's not going to happen anytime soon. So we still have to just deal with what we have for right now. So week six was... A wash, it was a blowout game, and it was a blowout. What else can I say, right? Week 11, Giants were competitive within the first two quarters, but the defense was very bent but don't break, but the offense was not scoring points. There was that one play where Daniel Jones had three wide receivers open. He didn't make those throws. He had a bad game overall. This offense couldn't get the running game going. They couldn't get anything going. And then it made it worse because time of possession was heavily in the Buccaneers' favor. And with that being said, Tom Brady, he'll take what he can get. It's not Patrick Mahomes where he's trying to make a 50-yard throw every play. He's going to take the check down. He's going to take the five-yard out route. He's going to take what he can get because he knows there are multiple downs. He knows that the next play is the most important play. So with that being said, you have to coach better. You have to stay in the game. I don't understand in most of these games, in some of these games, where you're competitive in the first half, but you're not competitive in the second half. Whether it's on Jones, whether it's on Barkley, whether it's on the defense, whether it's on the wide receivers, whether it's on this guy, the O-line, wherever the errors are, whatever the case may be, how do you regress in the second half when halftime you're supposed to be making adjustments? And we're only in one of these points so far, so be prepared for a little more of a discussion. Week 14. Abandoning the run when it was one thing that was going good for you. Putting the game in Mike Lennon's hands. Letting Justin Herbert absolutely torture cornerbacks and your defense overall. Letting them run on you whenever they wanted to. Even though they didn't really run a lot of the time in the first quarter. It was mostly pass plays. But then again, that plan of the bend but don't break mentality fails when you give a big touchdown to Jalen Guyton. And then... Obviously, factor in the timeout calling. They made it competitive at the end of the game, but it was garbage time. It was already over with. They had one onside kick, but I'm pretty sure the Chargers could actually absolutely give a shit whether they recovered the onside kick or not because they knew the defense was going to save them in the end. They knew that something was going to happen and that the Chargers, you know, they knew they were ultimately going to win. And once they got the onside kick, the Giants went down uh, inside the red zone and then interception. Mike Lennon throws behind another receiver. 
So I just don't understand. You know, you can blame Mike Lennon. You can blame a lot of other guys. But the game plan. Putting the game in Mike Lennon's hands and not using security blankets like Sterling Shepard. It's irritating. It's absolutely irritating. Timeout calling. We can all go back to a few games ago. I don't know which game it was, but he waited. So I think it was 2.15. There was at least 40 seconds running on the clock. And then he called a timeout like 2.15 left to go in the game. And then, I actually, no, that was a Chiefs game, actually. So there you can blame the timeout users. And the headsets. Well, it was the headsets. I know he retracted his statement and said there's no more excuses. And that's the last time I want to talk about it. But even giving that excuse just gives the media an absolute seizure and they're going to go write some stories and they're going to write their clickbait articles but with that being said the timeout calling bullshit if 31 other NFL teams had issues with their headsets they would probably adjust but the Giants didn't adjust they have excuses even though Joe Judge says we're not going to play with excuses bullshit bullshit and two minutes 215 left to go in the Chiefs game he has to wait till call a timeout there and then they have what 20 seconds to go down the field doesn't make sense at all. Uh, conservative play style. This one is one of the most irritating out of the points as to why I don't like Joe Judge as a head coach. Obviously, you could blame conservativeness and lack of aggressiveness on personnel. That's definitely something. But with conservative play style, you ran it twice and then you passed it. It was a pass behind Sterling Shepard in that Washington game where they could have gotten a touchdown, drained some more time on the clock with the first down, but no, run it first two times, something that has not worked or did not work in the first part of the season, and then you go pass it behind the receiver, and then, oops, got to kick a field goal, and you're going to trust your defense, your defense that gave up how many freaking points to Taylor Heineke out of all quarterbacks? Someone who just came in the week before subbing for Ryan Fitzpatrick, they're having a hell of a game already, but you're going to go out there, send your defense back out there because, oh, I'm satisfied with the field goal. He also said in one of his press conferences, oh, well, you know, uh, scoring a touchdown every drive is not that important. Bullshit, it's important in this, this day and age, Joe. And when you don't have an offense that scores points, your defense ain't going to do that much better because your defense is going to get tired and tired and tired. And the time in possession, it's going to be a huge gap between one team and the other team. And you know what? The smaller gap, the smaller time of possession, that will go to your team because you don't know how to construct the game plan. Let's talk about another thing. Now, conservative play style, you guys can make your own references. Please comment. Please let me know. If you have any more takeaways, whatever. With that being said, I want to go on three points in terms of evaluating, in terms of the pieces you have. One of my points is, okay, you got to use the tools you're given. You got to use the tools that you're given. And I understand there's that argument on the other side of the table that says, well, he hasn't had a full two, three years of getting his own players in. He's had to deal with a lot of Gettleman guys. I get that. But use the tools that you're given and evaluate the tools that you're given. Why is Lorenzo Carter still on the field? Why is he in over Quincy Roche? Why? Quincy Roche had a decent game on Sunday versus the Chargers. Lorenzo Carter made one play. That was about it. And he also had a good rep against Rashawn Slater. One. He's not a world beater. He's trash. Put him in a healthy scratch, just like O'Shane Zimenez. Start playing Raymond Johnson and all these other defensive linemen. Start playing David Moa over Danny Shelton. Because you know what? David Moa has shown some things in the preseason, and he's younger than Danny Shelton. Danny Shelton's been this league for years, and I don't know what the fuck happened this year that, you know, he's just suddenly become this 345 pound of nothing that everybody's running him over. 
So I don't understand why he's still in over Raymond Johnson and all these other young guys. Meanwhile, Danny Shelton's here on a one-year contract. Let's talk about one of the other things. Evaluating that Nate Solder is better than Matt Pair. He doesn't have the dog on the field. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have that. At this point in the season, who gives a shit? Play Matt Pair. Third-round pick that you invested in him. He's coming from UConn. You can't expect him to sit here and, oh, well, he's, he's got to maul the other guy like Will Hernandez. He's got to maul the other guy like Nick Gates. He came from UConn, a fucking basketball school, and they don't give a shit about their football program. They don't give a shit. And I'm not saying that Matt Parrott's, you know, terrible in terms of effort, but if he doesn't have that dog on the field, you kind of have to insinuate as to why. And you know what? Just because he doesn't have the dog on the practice field that you guys, you know, want the dog mentality, what is Nate Solder? He didn't have the dog mentality. He barely touches edge rushers when he gets beat by them around the edge. Barely. Nick, Nick Bosa's strip sack, he's lucky if he got two hands on him at one point. Lucky if he got two hands on him at one point. So I would rather a non-dogish edge rusher, or excuse me, a non-dogish offensive lineman that can play consistently or at least have some bad reps, you know, he's a third-round pick, develop him, rather than a offensive tackle who's been playing this league for 10 years and looks absolutely lethargic. He looks like he hasn't eaten in 10 days. Evaluating that Reggie Ragland is better than Roderick McKinney, but Roderick McKinney was a former pro bowler. Obviously, that was three years ago with the Houston Texans. He's way past that. But he's shown you some flashes. You really haven't put him into coverage situations. He's made some big hits in the run game. Big hits when he's tackling in the pass game. What has Reggie Ragland showed you? Two tackles for a loss probably this year? I mean, seriously, what are you trying to do? Make Nick Saban happy? Make him feel better? Hey, Nick, you know, your former player at Alabama, he's a key role player for us because you keep putting him on the field. He's a fat, chubby linebacker that can't move sideline to sideline. I don't know why in this situation he's getting more reps on a one-year contract than Menardrick McKinney is, then Tay Crowder is in some points. Now, Tay Crowder is probably the linebacker one. I probably need to retract my statement. But with that being said, Tay Crowder is more worth of reps like Menardrick McKinney is rather than Reggie Ragland. And I don't know when Carter Coughlin's coming back. I wanted to see him, but obviously we're not going to see him for the rest of the season, it looks like, because the Giants have absolutely no interest. They just love Reggie Ragland so much. And also evaluating that Will Hernandez is better than uh, Brent Bredesen, Ben Bredesen and Isaiah Wilson. Now, Isaiah Wilson, you could say, oh, it's a developmental thing, blah, blah, blah. At this point in the season, if Will Hernandez is not showing you the stuff, get Isaiah Wilson on the field. Get him on the field so you can see, okay, well, he needs to improve this, this, and this. Will Hernandez isn't coming back next year. We're not doing this whole thing, oh, we got to play out the contract. Bullshit. If you know you're coming back next year, if you know you're coming back next year, bring Isaiah Wilson on the field, see what you have at guard so you know, well, is this guy going to be a stud? Or is he going to be a dud? So do we have to draft an offensive lineman? Do we have to draft a right guard? Do we have to do this, this, and this? At least put him on the field just like Matt Parrott so you have some tape. So you have some tape that you reference so you have some tape on him. And you don't just go, oh, well, I don't know what Isaiah Wilson is. You know, that doesn't work. That philosophy, that strategy never works. Constantly playing the field position game with a poor punter, a bad offense, and a defense that only works against average QBs at best. Constantly playing the field position game with a poor punter never works, especially in this day and age when it's based on offense, when it's based on passing the ball. Defenses get better midway through the season. The Rams, the Titans, the Ravens, all these other teams, they have bad defenses to start, they really don't have good starts to the season, but their offense is always keeping them in the mix. Patrick Mahomes, 
started the season like shit. The defense, not really playing that well. But he turned it around, and the Chiefs, well, it looks like they're either tied or they're leading the AFC West right now, so you really can't complain about that. That's the Chiefs. They're structured differently. They're structured in the modern era philosophy, unlike the Giants. They're stuck in 1984. But bad offense. How are you going to sit here and tell me that you can't score points every drive? So is it player execution, or is it the fact that you're holding them back because, well, scoring touchdowns every drive is not a good thing, and we have to rely on the defense. When the defense is getting tired and tired and tired because the offense isn't scoring points, and they eventually have to give up a touchdown, some of these quarterbacks we're facing off, uh, we're facing in this league, like Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, they're going to get tired. That's what happened in the Chargers game. That's what happened in the Rams game. That's what happened in the Chargers game. I don't know if I mentioned it already. Some of these other games that we got blown out in. That's what's happening. The defense is getting tired. I don't know how you don't see that. Doesn't make any sense at all. Take the locker room with you if Mara fires you for firing Garrett. That excuse has to stop by Giant fans. It has to stop. Because you're sounding like Yankee fans with this whole Aaron Boone bullshit. You can't seriously tell me, oh, Kyle Rudolph coming in and this guy coming in. That's just because of Jason Garrett. Bullshit. Bullshit. Because guess what? If Joe Judge had balls and fired Jason Garrett in January and got rid of him, John Mara, let's just say he fires him, Joe Judge takes a locker room with him. He may take Patrick Graham with him because the players were believing, believing in what Joe Judge and Patrick Graham were doing. If those two leave, if one of those two leave, and Jason Garrett's the head coach, how many players are playing for Jason Garrett? So that way, Judge actually has more leverage, but he didn't use that leverage. Instead, he went with the conservative philosophy, waited till week. 12 to fire his offensive coordinator. And it's basically for nothing now because Daniel Jones has played one game since then. One. Special teams is his specialty, and it was better under Shermer, worse under him. Signings like Nate Ebner, drafting Gary Brightwell, CJ Board, all these other special team signings. We probably have had more special team signings under Judge than we had under Shermer. I might be wrong. And it's the same special teams coordinator. But with that being said, maybe there's a different game plan. Maybe Judge is controlling special teams more than McCaughey or McGahee. I apologize for butchering his name because Shermer didn't give a shit about the defense. He didn't give a shit about special teams. But somehow, the special teams is actually a little bit better under Pat Shermer. Fuck Alger Grossas his second year. Riley Dixon was a Pro Bowl alternate or was almost a Pro Bowl alternate in 2019 because he was so good. He was a good punter compared to his tenure in the last two years because his tenure in the last two years, he's absolute garbage. And I don't understand how the Giants didn't cut him after last year. But hey, we were dealing with him another year. And we're paying the price for it because they rely on the defense. They rely on time of possession. They rely on running the football, which consistently doesn't work unless you're facing bad defense. And they're consistently relying on a punter who can't punt for shit. That's the end of my rant. That's the end of this podcast episode let me just say real quickly that i want joe judge gone for pretty much all those reasons if you guys have any debates if you guys have any arguments saying that joe judge should come back next year please feel free to debate me in the comments like comment subscribe turn on post notifications so you know when live stream pops your drops appreciate y'all coming back with that being said guys peace out see you later stay cool